Hello and welcome to the November edition of Communities Education Podcast with Martin and Rob. In this episode, we look at the autumn statement and what that might mean for pay and pensions. We also look at recruitment month and talk about how standing together, we can make a difference. And we bust some Ofsted myths. here we are martin at the start of december recording the november edition of the education podcast slightly belated this month sorry everybody but uh, we're here now so let's crack on martin the here and now section this month well first of all i want to talk about the autumn statement please community released a press release on this what can you tell us about it yeah so with the spiraling cost of living and working people too often being forced to choose between heating their homes and eating this statement from the chancellor of the exchequer comes at a crucial time unfortunately for most working people it's probably going to be too little too late there is some good news though 2.3 billion pounds for schools this year and next year equating to around about a thousand pounds additional per pupil funding by the end of 2025 is going to really really help schools of course what this actually does is restore per pupil funding to where it was around about 10 years ago. And of course, we also know that the situation in schools is very different. Staff costs have increased, but they have not been funded by the government. We've been really pleased by the £1,925 increase that support staff have been awarded uh, just this year. But that is not funded by central government. So all of that money has to come out of the school's budget. This money also will be expected to be used to pay for the increase in energy costs. And so actually, this is a standstill budget for schools. It's not going to provide any additional money that schools can spend on their pupils once they have covered the increased costs that exist around there. What working people needed today was for the government to step up and propose concrete solutions to the difficulties they face. But that's not happened. No, and I think we've heard these phrases, uh, heating and eating and choosing between the two and all of the issues around schools and lack of funding and schools having to make staff redundant, especially it seems towards HLTAs and teaching assistants and support staff and so on and so forth, but also some teachers in some cases. Uh, And it's a real concern for schools and it's why we are very likely from our sister unions to see some strikes uh, in the new year. So there's a couple of points, I think, to make here for our listeners and for our members, and that is if you're in any way concerned about strike action in your own school, please do get in touch with us and we can explain your position as a non-striking member of staff uh, in your school. Now, although we're not striking, our members, when we surveyed them, were really clear that they wanted to take some action. So if you want to get involved in anything in terms of taking some sort of action, whether it be writing to your own MP or getting involved with one of our campaigns, you can find information on that on our website or by calling us or getting in touch with your local officer, all of whose details are online. So please do do that and get involved. And finally, if you want to be involved with our STRB remit response, please do get involved in one of our policy forums. And Martin, I'm coming to you any second now for the email address. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on educationpolicy at community-tu.org. Please do get in touch. We've got lots of policy forums, but the particular one that we're looking at at the moment is to do with teacher pay. So please, if you are interested in influencing our response to the teacher pay remit, do 
get involved. Now, Martin, it might just be worth mentioning. I know we've mentioned it before, the support staff pay uplift. But we have had some questions this week, haven't we, from members in areas uh, where this pay lift will not be implemented. The support staff pay uplift, which was negotiated by the Green Book unions, applies in most local authorities to most staff who work in local authority schools. However, there are some local authorities that have opted out of aspects of the Green Book. So that could apply to mileage allowances, it could apply to sickness absence, and it certainly can apply to pay and conditions. So if you work in Buckinghamshire, Bromley, Hampshire, Huntingdonshire, Kent, Medway, Northamptonshire, Oxfordshire or Surrey, you need to check your contract to make sure that the £1,925 uplift, that that applies to you. We also need to remind members that the £1,925 uplift, when it does apply, applies to your salary point. And therefore, if you work part-time or if you work term-time only, that will be adjusted according to the amount of time that you work. If you've got any questions about how the £1,925 uplift applies to you, then please do get in touch with your regional office who can help you. Yeah, and we're also lobbying the government to address school staff workload, but especially job creep in particular, where support staff are being asked to do more and more work each week, often without any extra pay. So again, if that's something that applies to you and you want to get in touch with us, do so on the email address we've already provided and we will provide again at the end of the episode uh, and let us know your thoughts and get involved in our campaign. And we do have a support staff survey running at the moment that's going to run up until Christmas time. So if you um, are able to, please do respond to our support staff survey so that when we speak with government, we can actually speak with authority with your voice because we will know exactly what your views are. So thanks to all of those who have already completed the survey, which is an awful lot of you. But if you haven't, the opportunity is still there until Christmas. Talking of campaigns, Martin, a word on our other three campaigns that we've got sort of running at the moment. Um, First of all, what can you tell us a little bit about our higher education universities campaign? Following our interview with John Roy, the officer in charge of HE, Uh, a couple of months ago, our universities campaign is now underway. There's a lot going on in universities, particularly around job security and the increasing casualisation of contracts. Um, There are also issues on pay and pensions. So as requested by members, we've written to the higher education minister expressing our concerns and we want to encourage members to do the same. So if you log on to the website and go to the pay campaigns section, We have got a model letter there. We'll also be sending that letter out to members um, so that you can lobby your own MPs as well as write to the minister. Um, Hopefully, together, we can make a difference. Our student loan campaign has also kicked off. Members said that they wanted to start with a letter writing campaign. So we have written to the government looking at the long term impact of student loans on the economy, particularly how it affects people securing mortgages because of the debt they are carrying some until they're in their 60s. We're calling for reform of the system with grants, bursaries and extra support, especially for those people working in the public sector. Great stuff. So that's our higher education campaign and our student loan campaign. And our final one is our pay campaign, our our fair wages for all. Yeah. So as part of this campaign, again, we have responded to members. Members wanted template letters to help them to write to their local newspaper, to their council, their MPs. 
And so if you would like to access those model letters, they are available on our website in our pay campaign section. We're also going to be inviting members to join us at upcoming local and national rallies. And we're also going to be organising opportunities for members to meet with MPs so that they can raise firsthand their concerns on pay. So this is our pay campaign, not just about teachers, not just about support staff. This is our pay campaign for all. Bringing us on to your working life then. Um, I think that neatly brings us on to it, actually. But now, although we're a little bit late recording this podcast due to a few diary clashes and so on, but November was that was recruitment month for community. Uh, so we really wanted to make sure that we highlighted this in this podcast and talk about the fact that it's really, really important to be talking to your colleagues at school, in your workplaces, in your nurseries, uh, any of your education workplaces about community and about the support that we can offer. You know, it really is important that we stand together across the union, but certainly in education as well, in different parts of education, teachers standing with teaching assistants, standing with nursery nurses, standing with other kinds of support staff and so on, higher education staff, senior leadership staff. Now, we, and we've got a few things, haven't we, Martin, that, um, that are perhaps important to this. And the first is the early years charter. Yes, that's right. So our early years lead, Letitia McCalla, has been working on creating an early years charter with our education policy forum for the early years. We're stronger together and our early years charter, which is hopefully going to be published in the new year, is asking for increased funding for early year settings, funding that properly covers the cost of provision. We're also intending to use this early years charter to raise the profile of the early years profession, particularly to support recruitment into the sector and also to look at improved wages and a pay structure for staff, because this too will support recruitment and retention of the sector. We also want to make sure that there is professional development opportunity for all staff and recognition that early years staff are educators and not babysitters. Yeah, in time for my uh, favourite phrase, uh, Martin, it's almost like we planned it uh, mm. because I'm personally doing some um, some events with Letitia in the Derby area in the coming months, once a month until I think the end of March. We're doing some social events and we're just inviting any members or non-members for that matter to come along and talk to us, whether in early years or whether they're in schools or they're in universities. Come along and talk to us because we really do work better together. Um, and I think it would be great for people to meet one another. And I know there are other things going on across the country. So please do look out, read those newsletters and contact your officer if you've got anything you'd like to get in touch about. And if you want any posters or any materials for staff rooms or for your classroom, do request a pack uh, and request a visit from a member of our team. And I'm sure we'll be happy to accommodate that. And so it is time for the long overdue return of Mythbusters. <laughs> Uh, Ofsted then, Martin, this month. I mean, yeah, I think we've, we we've done Ofsted. Have... We have done Ofsted yeah. before. But it's always uh, good, I think, to, to return to it because I think it's probably the, the source of most myths in schools and other education workplaces. It's not just schools, remember, that go through Ofsted. Childminders and nurseries do too. Mm, indeed. Now, recently, Ofsted have unveiled some new intervention powers against schools that have been judged below good twice consecutively. Now, it's important to point out that at the moment, Ofsted are busy uh, catching up 
on all their missed inspections through COVID and also catching up with those schools that were previously outstanding and therefore were exempt from inspections. This is not something that I want our members to worry about or to be concerned about. But from September 2022, amended regulations mean that schools with two consecutive judgments that were below good are eligible for intervention. This does apply retrospectively, but normally it will only apply for schools that were inspected after May 2021. It also includes schools that have improved from special measures to serious weaknesses or from special measures and serious weaknesses into requires improvement or any combination, as well as those that have been judged requires improvement twice. Now, we do have concerns about this because obviously the person who is responsible for issuing academy orders is the regional directors, formerly known as the regional schools commissioners, and they are an arm of the Secretary of State. And of course, we know that at the moment, the Secretary of State's intention is for all schools to be part of a strong academy trust. And so therefore, even though your school might be making improvements and shown to be making strong improvements, if it is inspected at less than good on two consecutive occasions, it still could mean that it's eligible for an academy order. So this um, this decision, as you say, is taken by the uh, regional schools commissioners, now regional directors. Um, can that decision be be challenged in any way by a school if they think it's unfair or they don't, or they think there's a good reason why not? It can. There must be grounds for a challenge. One of the things that we're aware of is that requires improvement is a very broad judgment. This includes schools that may have only just dipped into requires improvement and most other categories would be good. Um, Of course, there are also some schools that are working really hard to improve, perhaps following a previous serious weaknesses grade um, and have moved into requires improvement. But in the eyes of the regional schools director, they're perhaps not progressing fast enough. So you've got both ends of those schools that are very nearly good and schools that are improving, but they still might be in this requires improvement category for two inspections, even though they can prove they're making progress, they may still be in this. And this gives us real cause for concern. Yeah, absolutely. So so I think let me give you a myth then, um, and then we can try and actually address an actual myth because it is myth busters after all. So the myth I'm going to go for is one around how often schools are inspected, right? So the myth is outstanding schools won't be inspected for at least five years. And then you sort of reduce that down and say good schools get three to four, satisfactory schools get two to three and so on. And that's generally the myth. How accurate is that then? Well, it's pretty accurate. Outstanding schools until recently were exempt from reinspection as long as the exam results, their overall outcomes were maintained. That's now stopped and all formally exempt schools will receive an initial graded, that's a section five, or an ungraded short section eight inspection before the 1st of August 2025. That's the aim, that's the target for Ofsted. Good and outstanding schools from that point onwards, once they have been reinspected, will be visited approximately every four years. And this will normally be a short inspection, a section eight inspection. This will just be to confirm that there are no changes necessary to the existing grade. Where a grade does need to change, so perhaps the school has done amazingly well and is improving, this inspection can be expanded 
and it can become a full section five inspection which would result in the school being given a new grade now that inspection might be immediate that section five inspection might happen straight away or it might be that the inspectors leave after the section eight visit and then come back and do a section five inspection uh, later on. What do you mean by section eight and section five inspections and short and long inspections? What's the difference? Section five and section eight refers to the legislation that the inspections are carried out under. A section five is a standard full inspection at the end of which the school will be awarded a grade, either outstanding, good, requires improvement or one of the categories. This is the inspection that normally lasts a couple of days and is the inspection that most people will be familiar with. Section 8 inspections are what are commonly known as short inspections. Typically, these last just for a day. In a short inspection, the vast majority of teachers will not be visited. They only have a very, very few classroom observations. Section 8 inspections are mostly focusing on school data school information like exam results, pupil progress, that sort of thing. Assuming that that information is consistent with what the inspectors were expecting, then the grade which the school already has is likely to be reconfirmed. Okay, I understand now. That's that's great. Thank you. So requires improvement schools then. You covered uh, good schools, you covered outstanding schools and section eights and short inspections and so on. What if a school ends up in, uh, in RI and requires improvement? Normally, requires improvement schools will receive a graded inspection so that's a section five inspection again within a period of 30 months so around about three years but this is where the new change comes in because if a school has been judged as requires improvement for two successive inspections it will be subject to monitoring from inspectors to check its progress so monitoring in addition to a reinspection within 30 months and of course, this monitoring to check progress could lead to further intervention. OK, uh, so you've, you've, you've talked there about schools that get judged as requires improvement over two separate inspections. And um, we know that schools in special measures also are likely to become academies. But what if an academy is judged to be requires improvement over two separate inspections? or indeed is put into special measures. What happens to an academy if that's the case? Academies are treated in a very similar way to local authority maintained schools. If they are judged as having serious weaknesses or requiring special measures, they can be rebrokered. So that means that the school can be removed from their current multi-academy trust and they can become part of a new multi-academy trust. Ofsted will monitor the school once it has transferred into its new trust and it will carry out a graded inspection, usually within around 30 months of the previous inspection, to consider whether or not that transition has been successful. If a maintained nursery school or a non-maintained special school is judged inadequate, Ofsted will monitor those in the same way as academies. So I said right at the start that it's not just schools. I mean, schools are the ones that are most commonly associated with Ofsted, but you've just mentioned nurseries there, and I also mentioned childminders at the start. What's the, what's the, what's the case with childminders? So nurseries and childminders must both be on the childcare register. And initially, they will be inspected within the first 30 months of registering as a childminder or a childcare provider. And then typically, 
they're inspected at least once every six years after that. They may also be inspected if someone reports concerns about the childcare that is being provided. And is it worth mentioning colleges? Is that different again? Colleges are slightly different. Good and outstanding colleges will be inspected every five years. But again, there has been a delay due to COVID, which has extended this to seven years in some cases. And colleges that are requires improvement will normally be reinspected within 12 to 30 months. And those that are inadequate will receive inspection within 12 to 15 months. So um, within the next year, for example, we know that Ofsted are particularly following up on schools and colleges based on the risk assessment that they do, which means that schools and colleges that are inadequate, serious weaknesses and special measures are being prioritised for reinspection. I think it's a pretty exhaustive and comprehensive update, Martin, and, and, and myth busting on um, on Ofsted. So uh, uh, as per usual, your, your knowledge is unsurpassed. So thank you for that. And that's another myth busters done. Boom! Before we move on, I think it is worth pointing out to members that Ofsted is incredibly stressful. We do know that Ofsted, um, the threat of Ofsted, preparations for Ofsted, that that contributes massively to stress and anxiety amongst the workforce and also to workload. If you have got particular concerns about the way your school is preparing for Ofsted, then please do let us know. But also, it is a good idea if you check out the Ofsted handbook, the Ofsted framework will tell you exactly what schools should be doing. It will tell you exactly what Ofsted expects of schools. This whole section is called Mythbusters. And we know that there are an awful lot of misconceptions out there about inspection. So don't just take it from me. Please do check out the documentation yourself. Read what it says so that if your school says you must do this because Ofsted says so, you have the evidence to say, no, they don't. And by highlighting this information, you can help to make a difference in your workplace. And that's another education podcast done for another month. Our next one will be our end of year look back at the best bits from this year. So do tune in for that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us on educationpolicy at community tu. You can follow us on social media for news, shared content and resources. You could check out Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And for any help and advice, please visit our website, which is allthews.community-tu.org. And we've got frequently asked questions and advice centre and information sheets available. And that's just the education section. If you're a member and you need casework support, then please contact your regional office or call us on 01332 372 337. And finally, please don't forget to like and subscribe if you've not already done so. That means you'll get the podcast straight to your device as soon as it becomes available and tell everybody who you think might be interested, all colleagues, all friends and anybody else involved in education to join us for the education podcast. Mm-hmm.